Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. A better business starts with planning for profit. Download our free course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, at entrearchitect.com slash free course. You're listening to Entree Architect Podcast, and this is episode 154. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Being a married couple in architecture, well, my, my partner, Anne-Marie McCarthy, is my wife and my partner at my architecture firm, Five Cat Studio. And being a married couple and partners in architecture may be the most difficult. Well, it may also be the most satisfying. And it's probably the most successful approach for us at being a small firm architect. It's, it's not always easy and it's not always pretty. But I would not trade my life as an architect, married to my partner, Anne-Marie, for anything. Our relationship and how we've established the roles and the responsibilities in both our firm and for our family is how we've become successful. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, I've invited another married couple to join me here at the show, Claire and Kevin Costello from The Ranch Mine, 
and they're here to share their personal story and how to succeed as a married couple in architecture. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is sponsored by TrueStyle, the leader in high-end architectural interior doors. Have you checked them out yet? Learn more at TrueStyle.com. And FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, track your time, and get paid faster. Learn more at FreshBooks.com slash architect. Claire and Kevin Costello, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks for having us, Mark. Hi, Mark. Good to be here. It's great having you here. Um, Claire and Kevin are partners in an architecture called The Ranch Mine in Phoenix, Arizona. They are uh, the creators of custom modern homes. Uh, very interesting story. Uh, I've been following them for a long time, even before I met Kevin. Uh, on social media. You guys do a great job on social media. Kevin has been here before on Entree Architect Podcast. He was on episode 138. It's called How to Design and Sell Modern Architecture. And and we spoke about how the firm was started and, and how they built the firm uh, through their development projects, designing and building their own projects and then selling them. Um, we talked about how they built their brand using publication and social media. And they have a really powerful story they've developed, and that's 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 a, a great story that they tell. Um, and so I encourage you to go back to listen to episode 138 at com slash episode 138. Um, and I've invited Kevin back with Claire, because we talked about Claire last time, but she wasn't here. Um, and so we wanted to get you back together uh, and talk about a subject that is, is something that people ask me all the time because I'm married to my partner. Um, Anne Marie McCarthy is my partner in architecture and she's my wife and she's the mom of my kids. And, um, and we have it, you know, it works. And, and, uh, I wanted to invite you both back and talk about that. Talk about how, how, how do you guys make it work? Because I think it's not uncommon to find married partners in architecture. Um, I think it's, it's a little bit more common to find failed marriages in architecture that they become architects and then things, you know, don't work out because of, you know, the architecture firm and, and because it is difficult. It's a difficult profession. And when you have conflict in your business and your business life, it sort of finds itself into your personal life. And there's, there's certain ways and certain ways of living and relating with one another uh, on how to make it work. So I want to talk about that. And so sure. I'm really excited about that. But before we yeah. do that, before we do that, I want to put Claire in the spot because <laughs> Kevin's already answered this, uh, gone into his, his origin story back in episode 138. Um, I want to, uh, to have Claire answer the, you know, kind of tell us her story, but I want I want Kevin to just give us a refresher for people who haven't listened to 138. Um, you know, who you are, where you came from, how you became an architect and you know, how you found your way to, to where you are today and then Claire can give us her story. Sure. Yeah, happy to. Um, I'm originally from Connecticut. Grew up on the shoreline in Connecticut and went to school to get my architecture degree at Northeastern University. Um, and I got my undergraduate and graduate degree there and worked. Uh, Northeastern is a co-op school, so I worked for about uh, what totaled to be 24 months to almost uh, two and a half years of uh full-time work at architecture firms in Boston and Connecticut when I was 
going to school there. And then after I graduated in 2009, I decided that I wanted to have a sort of a, a large change uh, in my life. Um, and I decided to get up, pack my car, and move all the way across uh, the country to Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and uh, I didn't know anyone here at the time. I had a friend who was uh, moving out here as well, and he introduced me to Claire literally the first day that I arrived <laughs> in, in Phoenix. So um, so that's how I got to Phoenix, and, uh, and that's how I met Claire. You know, I, could, I, can, I can tell you, you know, it's January, <laughs> and I'm in New York, not far from Boston, <laughs> and uh, and you're in Phoenix. So I, yes. I you know, I I could understand why you left. <laughs> exactly. Yep. It's cold it's just... and gray and drizzly and oh. We were back for the holiday, so we got a taste of got a that. Little, just... little dose yeah. dose of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so you uh, found warmer weather, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and found Claire right away so that's pretty yeah. awesome so claire, yeah. claire tell me tell me your story uh go back as far as you want to go and tell sure. us your story and, and how you sort of found your way into architecture and, and how you found your way uh to to cabin yeah so um i was born and raised in phoenix arizona and during that time i i know I mean, it might sound really simple, but my parents would always get like the crate and barrel catalogs and furniture catalogs, and I would study them. <laughs> I would stare at pages for hours thinking of like, oh my gosh, the placement of everything just, it was all very fascinating to me. Um, and then outside of that, I had a couple influences from my early life. So my grandfather, my dad's dad, built his own house and his farm on, out in Indiana. So we would go to grandpa's farm, and it was just a very small uh, two-level house on the slope of a hill um, with a wraparound deck and just the pride that he had in that space and the stories he would tell about, you know, building the stairs and he thought he didn't need an interior stair they would just go outside to the basement and all this all these little quirky things um really painted a dialogue about design and how to create your home life um and then also my uncle down in tucson was a similar story he built um a rammed earth house down in tucson and he Still to this day, he has another property that you know he's going to build a new new home and have goats and solar. And uh, I actually went down to Tucson when they were in the process of building the Rammed Earth House, so I got to see you know how to accommodate all of your electric and place outlets and have all of the board formed, you know layers of sediment um, being tamped down into place and have these so, these huge thick walls um, and learned about thermal mass just on a very simple, not any kind of book studying uh, structure, but really just kind of a personal level and having somebody who is really inspired to do that and create that for themselves. So those were a couple people that really played a big difference in kind of my orientation and kind of interest in how people create their home lives for themselves. Um, And I went to school outside of Arizona. I went to the University of Colorado at Boulder. 
My undergraduate degrees are in English and communication, so totally unrelated to design. Uh, I did want to go and get my MBA after my undergraduate degree, thought better of it at the time because I didn't want to take on more debt uh, graduating in the 2009 era. Yeah, tough time to graduate. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was better to start making a little money. Um, So that was kind of, you know, my education really didn't mimic design in any capacity. It was really more based in my personal life and my personal relationships. Um, So then when I was moving back to Arizona in 2009, uh, we had a mutual friend in common and I met Kevin and I had actually heard about Kevin before they had traveled um, a little bit together. And uh, we met and he was obviously very rooted in architecture and wanted to pursue architecture and i just really loved the conversation that he had about the built environment and um what design could do even at a single family home level Uh, so that really just spoke to me and we were at the point that you know we weren't really getting the jobs that we wanted either of us So we decided to take a really big leap and buy a foreclosure and redo it um, with very limited kind of funds. And uh, that was probably the biggest challenge. Having survived that, I think, really enabled our day-to-day now be a piece of cake because when you're renovating something and you're making an investment, just the two of you, you kind of, you know, have all of those really big conversations of like even the little thing like you know what tile or what kitchen layout can feel like the biggest deal um so i think that really put us through a big test early on that makes it easy to have some perspective when things seem to uh, carry more weight on a day-to-day would you recommend uh young architects who are considering uh what you did diving into a project like that right off the bat, you know, looking, looking back at it. <laughs> it's hard to say it's, I, I actually really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot. I've always kind of been a hands-on learner. Um, so I think that was invaluable, something to do to make me, me realize, okay, the sequence of building your designs. How does that work? How, what trades do you need to get involved? What decisions do you need to know earlier rather than later? Um, So I really see a lot of value in it. Uh, It's really up to an individual basis though. It it does, uh, it does put you through the ringer a little bit. So don't do it without caution. Yeah. It's very taxing on, on yourself to do something like that because not only are you financially invested in it heavily um pretty much all of our money (laughs) and uh but it's also emotionally you're emotionally invested because you're doing it with your 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 partner um and so when you start to mix heavy heavy financial strain with emotional strain and you know uh the time it takes and and you know we were physically doing some of the labor and that kind of stuff it it definitely is like claire mentioned it kind of makes what we do now seem very cozy and nice because we kind of just jumped into the the most difficult thing of like we just 
went in and basically ripped a house apart and uh, started from that point. So uh, it was uh, jumping to the deep end for sure. But it definitely, I think, helped us accelerate the growth of what we do a lot, lot faster. Yeah. And, and, and if for anybody who's listened to episode 138, that was the beginning of everything. Yes. You know, that's, that's how you got to where you are today was that first project and, and, and what you did with that project after it was finished. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, the other thing that while you were talking about it, you know, I was thinking it's the, it's the first thing that you did out of school is the first thing that you did, um, as a, as a couple. And, mm-hmm. and at that time in your life, you have many fewer responsibilities. You can take much bigger risks uh, and you can completely fail and it'll be, it'll be easier to recover from that at that age, although it would be devastating. Um, It would be easier than, than to wait because I think most of us wait, say, okay, well, I'll make, I'll wait until I have more money until I have more security until I have more stability with my family. At that point, it's too late because you have a family and you have these responsibilities (laughs) And you have, you know, a larger firm with employees and you're responsible for more. And so to take that risk later is much more difficult than taking that risk earlier. Um, yes. And uh, and you experienced that, you, that you saw that, that it was difficult, um, but it built everything else that you have. Not only your business, but your relationship, that it, that it, that it solidified who you were as a couple um, mm-hmm. and, and got you to where you are today and allowed you to put in some you know, systems both in your business and your personal life to make it work. Yes. Definitely a lot easier to do when you're younger. Um, I mean, we were 23 years old when we did that. And uh, like I said, you know, draining your bank account at 23 years old is not the end of the world because you have time to recover from that. We didn't have to, you know. We were thinking about kids' college We were thinking about kids or college funds or any of that kind of stuff. I didn't have health insurance, but, you know, you're a healthier person at that time. And uh, you can make some more sacrifice. Not that I would recommend that. But, um, you know, you can cut certain things. You can eat a lot less expensively, and you know, because you're in that college uh, mode of of living uh, on not much money. And to your point, Mark, talking about the systems that you put in place, it was definitely eye-opening to see, okay, you have the architectural components of the home of moving walls or doing an addition, those sorts of things. Um, But then you also have an interior portion where your cabinet selection, your tile selection, all of those finish items don't necessarily have to be um, totally flushed out at the design part. So now we have a system where we do select all of those finishes when we're still in the design phase and are working with our clients to figure out what their aesthetic is and what would be appropriate for the type of home they have. But they get two sets of documents, right? They get the traditional architectural construction document set, and they also get a document that's their interior specification book. So that interior specification book is easily manipulated or changed. Say if an item goes out of stock, we can plug in a new item without you know worrying about having it be called out specifically in the construction document set. Um, it's much more manageable uh, for our clients to have all of those decisions and have a clear marker of, okay, these, this is what all of the city and all the general contractor, all of the nitty gritty architectural work is. These are some of the refined, um, you know, smaller decisions that 
create the color palette and things like that that you want to go for. So it definitely gave us a good timeline um, of decisions and uh, priorities. Yeah, it, that that uh, that and that's how that's how a business works, right? That's how mm -hmm. a, how it becomes successful, and and it takes a long time to figure that out because we're not trained as architects in that world. Um, and by you know by doing a project and to have a, par a partner like you, Claire, that that sort of you know came outside of architecture, coming with different responsibilities and, and a different uh, set of experiences. Some of those systems can be put in place much earlier and much sooner. And then as you grow your firm, you develop those systems. And so those are, that's something that I've recently been talking about a lot. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you. Thank you to two of our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, True Style Doors and FreshBooks. As platform sponsors, these companies have provided funding and support for our overall mission to become an influential force in the profession of architecture. They recognize the need for small firms like you and me to build better businesses in order to be better architects. Have you ever gone back to a completed project for a visit and found the doors sticking or the seams splitting and a, and a really a very unhappy client about those doors? We're in the, the client happiness business here as small firm architects. And when a piece of our project fails to perform, especially one that our clients are, are touching and seeing and using every day, it makes us as architects, it makes us look bad. And True Style will make us look good. True Style is passionate about providing us small firm architects with the inspiration and the tools to transform our designs with the most authentic and distinctive doors available. And with more than 400 made-to-order styles, TrueStyle offers beautifully stable, premium MDF doors for painted applications and 20 standard species of wood across all architectural categories, from traditional to contemporary and everything in between. They do everything. Every TrueStyle door is made to order. TrueStyle, driven by design. Visit TrueStyle.com and start designing your doors today. That's TrueStyle, T-R-U-S-T-I-L-E dot com. And in case you're wondering, 192 hours works out to about two business days a month. Why am I doing math here at Entree Architect? Well, if you're an architect and you're using FreshBooks, it's a cloud accounting software, that's the amount of administration time that you could be saving in this coming year, 2017. How? FreshBooks is so fast and so easy to use that it changes the way that you deal with your paperwork. FreshBooks has been completely redesigned from the ground up and custom built for the way we work as architects. With new projects feature, with the new projects feature, you can share files and messages with your clients and your contractors and your employees. So you'll see how quickly things happen when all your conversations are in one place. And the new notification center is like your own personal assistant. You'll always know what's changed in your business since the last time you logged in to FreshBooks. And you'll also find out, you'll also know what needs to be dealt with right now, like overdue invoices. You'll know right there, right there on the notifications page, what's overdue and how it's overdue. And you can set up automatic 
reminders to your clients. That's my favorite feature. Is you can you can get paid by credit card, and you can ha- send automatic reminders. So you send the invoice, and then you can forget it, and FreshBooks will do the rest. So when you're ready to give FreshBooks a try, go to freshbooks.com slash architect, that's important, slash architect, and sign up for your free 30-day unrestricted trial. You get the whole thing for 30 days for nothing. And you'll get the, the simplest way to be more productive, more organized, and most importantly, you'll get paid faster. And that is so important as architects. Freshbooks.com slash architect. And be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section so they know that we sent you. Let's, let's talk about your the structure of your firm. Um, how is your firm structured? Do you have employees? Are you working with any other people, independent contractors? Sort of describe the firm and how it's structured so we know what we some context. So the ranch mine is Kevin and myself, and Kevin is the architect, the registered architect, and I am the chief executive. So I work all within the office realm. Um, and then we go back and forth. Kevin definitely is the lead on design, but we still have collaborative moments. So we always, uh, the two of us will visit projects to do the initial visits with the homeowners. We do the existing conditions together so we can both wrap our head around what is there um, to base our design off of. And then we come back again at design development with the materials, with interior. I, I kind of take the lead on materials, our product library, that sort of thing. Um, and also landscape elements I'll take a little more of a lead on. But Kevin, for sure, is full architecture all the way through. Uh, and then we also do have independent contractors that help us um along the way on certain projects. Mm-hmm. Are those roles very, are they formal? Like this is my domain and this is your domain and you know, you the lead is clear on who's doing what? I yeah, think so. I think so. I mean, it's, it's not written out on who makes yeah. what decision, but uh, anything that's related to architecture, I'll, you know, if we're having an argument and it's 50, 50, you know, it leans towards myself. And if it's a business-based decision, and it's 50-50, it leans towards what Claire has. We, I mean, we agree on most stuff, um, but when it gets down to that very difficult line of making a hard choice, that's when the role of, you know, right. if it's a business-based decision, Claire will have the final say, and if it's an architecture decision, I'll have the final say. That isn't to say that we never have different opinions, though. Yeah. So, yeah. so how, do you, how do you resolve that? Yeah, so I think... Um, Oftentimes, when we're dealing with client work, it's uh, it comes down to okay, what is it that we're showing our clients? What are we? What design are we going to be sending them to review? Kevin, uh, I think Kevin has the pretty much the final say on that. Um, but I do get vindicated every once in a while where you know he'll have a built-in bookcase or entertainment system, and you know I'll say they're going to want to put furniture there. Um, but we just have, we let the client kind of give us a little bit more feedback on some of those, uh, interior kind of, uh, personal preferences. So we do keep a little bit more flexibility probably than, um, 
Yeah, it's easier with clients because ultimately they're going to make a lot of decisions, uh, you know, in terms of the design and what goes forward and stuff. And sometimes, uh, you know, if Claire has a different opinion on on a design than I'll myself, sketch my she'll sketch out. it out and then I'll and I'll cut it up and you know tweak it a little bit, make the dimensions work, and then we'll present both, and we'll see which way the clients lean towards. Um, and I think it's helpful to have both an architect and a non-architect's perspective, uh, a male's perspective and a female's perspective, um, people from two different, uh, areas. I think it's, it's good to have that diversity within our team itself. And I think it pushes us to create better designs rather than just funneling through one, one mind. Um, so I think that that works out pretty, pretty well in terms of, um, challenging each other uh to be to be better at certain things i do think there's a interesting we both have our own perspectives right so i'm not from the architecture realm when i sit down and visit a house when i sit down with our clients and hear what they have to say that's the perspective i try to represent of what our clients really want at the day, at the end of the day. Why are they engaging in a redesign of their house or a new build of a custom home? Why are they doing that? How do they want to live? Do they cook a lot? Do they want to entertain a lot? Do they want to be outside a lot? I try to uh, filter everything through the perspective of the day-to-day -day homeowner and how they're going to function within the space. While Kevin and speak up if you have a little bit different idea, but I think his perspective is really rooted in the architecture and the site and what would be appropriate to the site, what would be appropriate to create a really dynamic space. Um, he understands that scale uh, much easier than I do. And my kind of level of intuition in trying to portray a project is really based on the, the homeowners um, that we work with or the developers that we work with. Yeah, I, I would describe it as I start sort of like top down, big picture in, and Claire starts sort of the smallest detail out. And then we sort of meet at a certain point somewhere within the home of, you know, I'm starting from a very general concept, even a lot of times on an urban scale, um, moving down towards the home and Claire's starting from uh, the perspective of the homeowner right. uh, inside their home starting to go out and then we sort of meet that way. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. So so Claire's sort of dealing with the emotions of the project yes. and, you know, Kevin's dealing with the structure and the, the big picture. It's it's interesting. Um, Anne-Marie and I, my, Anne-Marie McCarthy's my, my yeah. partner and my wife, I think I mentioned that in the beginning. I say that all the time because I always forget who, who I said it to. Um, is, uh, I think collaboration and roles and responsibilities are, are the, the key to success as a, as a married couple in architecture is that, that you need to know, uh, whether it's formal or just clearly understood, whose role is what, you know, it, it, and whose domain is what, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's how we've succeeded is that we've made it very clear that Anne-Marie is the design lead. She does mm -hmm. everything from the architecture to the interiors, all of the design. Uh, I'm an architect, I love design, I love architecture, but I love business, you know? It's my mm -hmm. passion, it's what I love to do. I love the administrative part part of it. I love the people part, you know, the, the, the client part. And so we've set up our systems that Anne-Marie does all the design and I do all of the, the 
client contact and the contractors and the and the uh, project management and dealing with with the the staff yeah. um, and it works you know that when there's a design issue it's not my issue it's Anne Marie's issue she she deals with it I may have an opinion and we do collaborate you know I work mm -hmm. on every project from a design point of view but it's always just you know uh, a review I mean for us it's interesting because I'm working with the clients but she's designing so I become yeah. that intermediary between the client and Anne Marie. Um, Amory meets the client, but she doesn't work with them on a daily basis. Um, and so we, we collaborate that way with information. Uh, but the actual design process is all completely handled by Anne Marie. And I think really what's important is that we have that established roles. Yeah. Um, when we first met, we tried to design a house together and we almost killed each other. <laughs> you know, very, very yeah. quickly, very, very early in our relationship, we learned that there needed to be a role separation, that we mm -hmm. needed to understand that in order for us to to, to work as a couple, never mind as a married partner. Um, right. it just, just to, you know, as two people who are interested in the same thing, who's going to be in charge when it needs to be, you know, somebody needs to be in charge. Um, and if you don't have that, it doesn't work. You, you'll, no. you'll have constant conflict. You'll run around in circles. Yeah. And I think just it helps you, opinion. uh, get, uh, specifically better at, tasks if you can separate them mm -hmm. and because Claire is so focused and has been for the last seven years on understanding clients and their emotions and and the, the sort of very tactile small-scale stuff she's gotten incredibly good at that and I haven't had to really get too in tune with that where I've been able to refine the more exterior the larger scale stuff and really focus on that so splitting it up, I think there's also a benefit in terms of getting significantly better at it than if you're both kind of generalists. Right. I don't think you can get as in tune with certain <laughs> elements. Um, and then you just have to have that communication between you two to, to be able to fit those two separate skills together. Yeah, and I think the results speak for themselves. I mean, when you look at where you are and what you're doing and how quickly you got to where you are, um, that is a testament to, to you. To your couple, you know, to, to the two of you, the responsibilities that you've each taken, the understanding of those roles and responsibilities and who's going to do what. Um, it's it's uh, I think that's that's so important to, to see that. Um, so here's the big question. Do you think mm -hmm. if you were if if you didn't meet one another, do you think you would have succeeded as quickly? Uh, definitely. Not. I doubt it. Yeah. No, I think I think so, so Kevin, if you tried to do this alone, would you think would you where do you think you would have been today? I most likely would be working for another firm, I think. Um, I don't know personally if I would have been able to to make the business end of it work so well uh, to uh, I mean, I might have been able to do it myself. I don't want to put that out of picture, but I probably. I don't think the success in how fast we've grown would have been able to happen, you know, because uh, I do, there are a lot of people that work out there by themselves. Yeah. I just think it's um, the speed and the efficiency and the growth of the company is directly related to the relationship that we have. Um, so I think there's no way that we would be where we are right now individually. Yeah. And, uh, I think from my perspective, you know, I 
I did become a licensed real estate agent. And so I think I might have been uh, confined a little bit more to a realm that was focused on maybe flipping kind of styles and not really being able to engage with a, a bigger, more refined dialogue of that architecture lends itself to be. So um, I think it definitely was a help to find each other and have kind of those alternating um, strengths. Do you think the fact that you're married, because this is what we're talking about is, is about partners, you know, whether mm -hmm. you're married or not, um, the success that you're having and you're seeing and experiencing is much coming from the fact that you're, that you have more than one person doing it, that you have mm -hmm. two people doing it and you have multiple defined roles and they're being handled by two different people. Um, mm -hmm. Same with me and Anne-Marie that, you know, there's no way we would have been where we are today if it wasn't for the relationship and the roles that we have. Um, but how do you think, you know, as a married couple, um, how does this, how, the overlap between your personal life and your business life, um, how do you guys do that? Does, is your life just one completely merged, integrated life? Or do you try to create some sort of separation between business and your and your personal life? It definitely took a little while. At yeah. the beginning, um, it felt like business really took over. Mm. And it was hard to make those boundaries of like, okay, the end of the workday should be here. I shouldn't, you know, be rushing back to my computer after dinner and working another three additional hours or something like that. Um, so... It definitely took over in the beginning. I think it was just a lot of work there, maybe yeah. for a good year, yeah. I'd maybe say. Two years. And that was part of this being a startup, too, yep. was we were working more hours to make ends meet. But that also then has a negative effect on the relationship because it's all work, you know, and, and no relationship time. So after about a year or two, we started to get a lot more firm with the boundaries of when we're working and when we're not working. Uh, we used to do meetings at nights and on weekends. We no longer do that. Um, so we, we've tried to set you know, specific deadlines for when we're working, when we're not, because it can easily flow into it. And it's not to say that we don't talk about work outside of it because it is a passion as well. But we, we've tried to make it very clear about working hours and non-working hours. We also work in separate uh, rooms in the house. Um, so during the day, we're not, you know, right next to each other with an earshot, but, you know, we have our own space and can do our own work. And so finding balances of when you're together, when you're not together, when you're working, when you're not working is definitely the challenge that we've had to work on. I think it helps a lot to find some mutual enjoyment. Like we go on hikes a lot. We like to get outdoors. We like to be able to um, go on a bike ride down the canal. You know, even there's a bridle path in central Phoenix that we'll go and take walks on. Just little things like that, that you can just get up and go and be outside of work. And I think that really helps me to kind of see, you know, the mountain preserves in here around Phoenix and really just kind of be like, okay, 
the fresh air, you know, it kind of resets me. No I think that no I think that helps a lot because then you can kind of um, take some time away, even if there was a work challenge that was on your mind. You can kind of clear your head and finding little interests like that to kind of take yourself out of work all the time. Um, even we try to take little trips still. Um, our relationship started with a bunch of little day trips and exploring what Arizona had to offer. So finding times to find exterior inspiration Um we like to go to dwell on design and Palm Springs and little things that are full of even in town. Uh, Palo Solari creates bells here and um, little things that are a little more artistic. They don't necessarily have to be architectural based, but it's still things that we're interested in. Um, and, you know, just trying to make times for friends replacing those client meetings that we were having in the evening with dinner with friends instead really helps that out uh, so we've been more conscious and more effective of like okay we want to try to do movie nights on friday nights you know really set the tone of it's the weekend to now check yeah. out from work yeah yeah mm -hmm. i think limits and boundaries and and formalizing them um is very important, you know, mm -hmm. wh whether you're a married couple or not, but, but especially if you're a married couple, um, that, that, uh, and even more so when you have kids, you know, that, mm -hmm. because those boundaries become very, very important. Um, <laughs> in, when you have kids that you don't miss out on the opportunities to, to experience your kids and having yeah. part of that is as your life. And one of the benefits of being a small firm architect, especially somebody like you and, and us, um, that you have that flexibility. You can create your own hours and you can actually, you know, create a system and a, create a life that you can do the things you want to do when you want to do them. You know, that mm -hmm. when I have an, a, an, a, a trip that I have to go on with my with my son, I just schedule it into my life and I go on it. I don't have to ask anybody, you know. Yeah, I don't, it's I don't, pretty great. Yeah, you do what yeah. you want to do when you want to do it. And and like you said, you don't work weekends anymore and you don't work evenings anymore. Um, same with us, you know. It's it's we don't ever work weekends and it's very occasional that we'll work evenings. Um, we just tell our clients that we're closed on the weekends. Yeah. Period. You yep. Know, if and if and if they're a client that can't do a, a project with us that 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 they can't meet during the week, then it's a project that we can't do. It's just, exactly. just one of those boundaries that we've set. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it may be a really great project, <laughs> but you have to set those boundaries and, and be pretty strict on them in order to to have a life that works outside of architecture yep. yeah we are still young we will see about family when it comes up but uh i i'm sure there are many more complications once that gets involved so kind of knock on wood that will adjust into that next stage um maybe we'll come back again once <laughs> that happens and give you an update yeah well, I, I, I can tell you that you definitely are off to a good start you know <laughs> the, the systems that you've put in place and the and the the roles and responsibilities that you've set for your own personal life and and your and your married life uh will definitely lead itself to a successful family life um i can see you know that you're already on the right on the right track for that so um i'd love to have you back then too but uh yeah <laughs> uh, but uh i 
both Claire and Kevin, I thank you very much for, for sharing your, your knowledge and your story and your personal story here as well. Um, I appreciate you being so transparent and open about um, your life and, and, uh, and your business. Uh, your website is theranchmine.com for anybody who wants to go check it out. It's a great site, actually, if anybody wants to go see how a, an architecture site should work. It, it works really well. Um, you're on social media uh, as The Ranch Mine official on Instagram. And I think you're The Ranch Mine everywhere else. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Claire, I have one question for you. Kevin already answered this question back in uh, episode 138. But before we wrap up, I'd like to ask you the question that, that I ask all my guests. What is the one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? So I think the one thing that a smaller architecture firm can do today to better tomorrow is really be grounded in what the right projects for you would be and what those criteria would be and be empowered to turn projects down that maybe aren't the right fit. So really identify your ideal projects, what those are, how many ever check marks you need to check off to figure out if it's a good project for you, figure out what those terms are. And then also the next step though is to find a network of say a landscape architect, an interior designer, other people. So when you do have to say no to a project, you can still be a resource. You can still maybe have a, a network of people that you feel confident in referring that might have a similar design aesthetic to you. Um, maybe it's too complicated of a landscape project um, or only interior. Maybe an architect just isn't necessarily needed and your plate is full. Uh, really be confident in the network that you can create and still be a resource to people as they do reach out. Yeah, that's that's a great answer. Great, great advice. Uh, target market is something I talk about all the time. Um, Kevin talked all about how you guys built your firm and how you're building and selling modern architecture back in episode 138. Um, and that's how you did it. You know, you focused on one thing and got really good at it and became an expert in that. And, you know, people know who you are and what you do now. Um, and you're designing great architecture now and, and selling it and you know, it all works out when you focus on one thing and become the best at that. So that's, yeah. that's uh, a great advice. Uh, both of you, Claire and Kevin, thank you very much uh, for sharing some time with us here at Entree Architect and for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us, Mark. Yeah. It, was, it was fun. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. And we'll have you back soon. We'll talk some more uh, about those systems. Sounds, Sounds great. All right. Great. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Mark. Complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 154. Hey, and don't forget to visit the website over at entrearchitect.com to gain access to our digital course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, and learn how to build a powerful profit plan that will work for your small firm. Visit entrearchitect.com slash free course and download this free course today. EntreeArchitect.com slash free course for the Profit for Small Firm Architects course. My name is Mark Arlapage, and I am an entrepreneur architect, and I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. 
Think about that. Build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. mentioned it to my family but in terms of telling people like oh yeah we're doing this i'm looking for projects you got anything yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me dreaming of launching your own architecture firm well, well buckle up for a wild ride with emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm where do we begin we don't even know what type of business to formalize as is it an llc is it an llp like how are taxes i mean the list is astronomical <laughs> Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real. To this day, I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning, like, us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one God. that came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected 
annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.